Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So this morning, after two decades, a new top-selling beer in the U.S. Mexican lager Modelo Especial was the top-selling beer last month, overthrowing Bud Light. There are a couple things at play here, including flat-out changing taste, but also the backlash from a social media post by transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. See- uh, Dylan Mulvaney is a man. Uh, transgender influencer, I don't know what to do with that information. Is a man pretending to be a woman, insulting women all the way down the line. He's appearing in woman face, and somehow this has been accepted by America's left. As I have stated more than once, liberal white women are just terrible. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Don't worry, I'm going to get into... Uh, more of, of, of the Trump uh, indictment, the arraignment, what got said, what it means. Does it affect uh, 2024? And, and I think it's a little early to figure that one out. But I wanted to share with you this apology that took place. I shared with you the other day a, uh, a city council member in Maryland who decided to tell a series of Muslim children who were bothered by the fact that speaking out at their school board, that they're not allowed to opt out of certain activities, LGBTQ plus lessons, like there should be any lessons like that in school. There, there shouldn't be. What, I don't even know what that means. If you're arguing that you're going to bring up Stonewall, I have no issue with the teaching of Stonewall. If you're going to argue that it's really true that a boy could be a girl and a girl could be a boy, and if you have a problem with it, you're what's known as transphobic. That's not a lesson. That's indoctrination. It has no place in the schools. And also, it's a lie. If you say boys are not girls and girls are not boys, you're not transphobic, you're rational. See that? That's the difference. So this Maryland official, this Democrat, who's a communist, Kristen Mink, after these kids spoke out, after they spoke very clearly about, look, um, we want to be able to opt out about these things. One of the kids who said, I'm here to talk about my rights. My religion teaches to respect all religions and all human beings and their rights. So does my country's law. And I want my right back to have an opt out option. Now, never mind where you are on Islam. Leave that to the side. What the kid is saying here is that the kid wants the ability to opt out. Of course, the parent should have the uh, opportunity to opt out for the kid. The parent makes the decision. The parent is the important one. The parent is what matters. The parents have rights. And of course, when parents went about asserting their rights, the Department of Justice called them domestic terrorists. Because they don't want you to have rights. They want you to give up their kid, your kid. Your kid belongs to all of us. Remember how uh, Melissa Harris-Perry said that on MSNBC. Then you heard Biden say that just a few weeks ago. Maybe it's a few months ago by this stage. You don't actually own your kid. And she stated this, this uh, uh, transgender activist, this progressive, this communist, who believes that white women should not be on certain boards and that's the only way to end systemic racism. No white women on any boards. I mean, she's a real bigot. Because in her view, white equals bad. I mean, what's, what's the difference between her and a KKK member, uh, you know, in, in that scenario? The answer is nothing. Nothing, of course. She said after these three children spoke 
this issue of LGBTQ plus instruction has unfortunately put some Muslim families on the same side of an issue as white supremacists and outright bigots. And she continues, I would not put you in the same category as those folks, although, you know, it's complicated because they're falling on the same side of this particular issue, and that is equity. Sure. Then again, if you believe and buy into the whole equity conversation, which is not about people being equal under the law, it's about suppressing some people, the thing we're supposed to be opposed to, so others can advance. It's about punishing people for their existence, which is, of course, wrong. And we agree in today's society that is wrong. Yet there's an entire section of society, leftists, who are like, awesome. We should do more of this. So this woman calls Muslim kids on the same side as white supremacists. She then comes out with a statement. On Tuesday, it was June 6th, I spoke at a Montgomery County Board of Education meeting about inclusive education and whether families should be permitted to opt their children out of LGBTQIA inclusive curriculum materials. I regret that although my remarks were focused on promoting inclusion, they created an opportunity for misunderstanding and mischaracterization. I apologize for the hurt that caused for the hurt that caused in the Muslim community. You said nothing about inclusion and no misunderstanding or mischaracterization happened. You said if you don't agree with these things, you are nothing more than a white supremacist and a bigot. That's not a mischaracterization. That's what you said. She continues, even when individuals disagree about difficult issues, I am committed to finding space to foster authentic dialogue and seek points of understanding. I sat down to hear from the Muslim community members before my remarks on Tuesday and with District 5 Muslim leaders on Thursday. I listened and I understand their concerns. You don't care about these people at all. You are a radical, yes, a Marxist, yes, a communist, however you want to be say it, even though they are uh, two different sides of the same coin. And you believe that anybody who disagrees with you is a white supremacist. Remember, you call me a white supremacist. Weird calling the Jewish guy a white supremacist, but that's what you do because you believe you are good and decent and moral because with all of these people, they believe that they are somehow kissed by God imbued with the secret knowledge that they then have to dole out to the, 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 the rest of us. This is what they believe. This is who they are. They are the bigots. Now, this is not a, a, a white woman, this Kristen Mink, as, as I know it. You know, a photo might not tell the full story, but as I know it, not a, a white woman. She has, of course, called for white women to be struck down from leadership to dismantle white power. And um, uh, she has gone after people on the basis of being Zionist Jews. All Marxists are the same. All of them. Uh, By the way, I'm a Zionist. I apologize to no one. Don't care. Israel exists. It remains. That's the end of the ballgame. Now, if you ask me if I'm an American first, I'm an American always. I didn't say I was Israeli. I'm not pledging allegiance. I am saying that Israel has the right to exist. That's Zionism. Israel exists. It's there. It's over. Move on. And I believe in Israel's right to defend itself. I actually get bothered when it doesn't do more. 
to defend itself. But when we discuss these these subjects, this idea that um, they're they're going after your kids, people get very very angry about that. No one's after your kids. Of course they are. None of this in society would be happening. None of this angst would be going on if the left left the kids alone. If progressive le- progressives left kids alone and just focused it, for example, on education, on math, English, and science, everything would be all right. But they go after the kids. Now, the truth is they've been going after kids for decades. And one of the things you saw from parents over the past couple of years, as they saw this, they're angry with themselves for not noticing 10 years ago or 20 years ago. They're angry with themselves for trusting the system. The system doesn't work. The system's broken. And of course, I believe in breaking the teachers' unions in two. Of course, I believe in a dismantling and a defunding of the Department of Education on, on the federal level. And of course, I believe that states need to control education, and I don't mind the return to the one-room schoolhouse in theory, the idea of localized education. Public education comes out of Massachusetts. Public education comes from this idea that what we need to do is build out these big, amazing uh, public education uh, institutions, and from that, we'll create a better society. Well, that didn't happen. That's not what happened. What happened was people who wanted to have more access to deciding the future of the country figured that if you had the children, you can create that opportunity. This has always been the way it is. And I don't think there's any part of American history, or I should say uh, any part of world history, where you don't see this, the re-education of, of, of children. Because they're the ones who grow up and you get them to believe certain things. And then, uh, of course, you're able to stabilize, if you will, that society. So what we're seeing from the Marxists, of course, is going after children. And when it started with the conversation of critical race theory, the response was, oh, critical race theory is only taught in colleges. It's not taught in the schools. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, critical race theory became a catch-all conversation for uh, what we call wokeness, what we call this bigotry, what we call this indoctrination, saying to people uh, that you are guilty for the color of your skin. You taught people to be, you know, you put them in classes of oppressed and oppressor. It's an ugly way to treat children, if only because it's a lie. It's obscene. It's gross. And then it continued and continued going after kids. We're going to hold an event for children where they're going to have a reading time from a drag queen and parents aren't invited. Parents aren't allowed. What do you mean parents aren't allowed? And why are drag queen queens reading to kids? It's an art form. I mean, like burlesque. Why in the world are they reading to kids? Why are they world are they dancing suggestively in front of children? Why are parents bringing their kids to these things? And then why would you tell a kid they can determine their own gender? Why would you push to confuse them? Why would you go after the autistic kids first? The data supports that, by the way. Constant and continual. And then when it comes to the gender-affirming care, which is not uh, care, it's, it's, um, uh, it's horrific, 
There's no such thing as gender-affirming care. That's not real. That's their terminology, and their terminology is wordplay. Remember, the Marxist is an expert at the wordplay. There's no, you're not here to affirm that your three-year-old says, I'm a girl now. They're three. You're not there to affirm it. You're there to guide your children and teach them how to be good people and how to learn about themselves, and then when they're adults, they can make decisions even if I disagree with it. Children can't make this decision. But what you see from education is the desire to cleave the child from the parent. In California, there is a state senator by the name of Scott Wilk. Tony Kinnett sharing the story from the Daily Signal, dailysignal.com. And this state senator lays it out Regarding California, where in California, if there's a divorce, if one parent doesn't believe in gender-affirming care, the other parent gets the kid. That's pretty ugly stuff. In Washington State, if you won't give gender-affirming care, you lose your kid. Attacking the parents. Saying the parents have no rights. Saying the parents are the problem. The parents are the enemy. But some stranger who says that boys should be girls, they're fine. I mean, when you break it down to that that level of elements, I mean, that's what's happening. That's what makes it all so maddening. This is Senator Scott Wilk of California. I'm now in year 11 in the state legislature, and all the time we're proposing policies to protect children. After 11 years, I've come to a conclusion that we need to start protecting parents. That's just not happening. I've been here and witnessed a, a full frontal assault on charter schools, taking away parents' choice and how their children are going to be educated to the detriment, particularly of children of color. In recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this, where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, they're going to be taken away from the home. Now, I agree with both Senator Weiner and Senator Laird that today it only involves divorce proceedings. And frankly, a judge can already factor, factor this in. But I can assure you it's not going to end with divorce proceedings. In the past, when we've had these discussions and I've seen parental rights atrophied, I've encouraged people to keep fighting. I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. We are moving towards the pathway of the hands made tale. California is becoming the new Juliet. And it just breaks my heart. I'm born and raised in this state. I love this state. I'm not going to stay in this state because it's just too oppressive. And I believe in freedom. And so I'm going to move to America when I leave the legislature. Now, I ask you, is he wrong? You know he's not wrong. I know he's not wrong. Everybody in California knows he's not wrong. If you love your children, you need to flee California because these people, like Senator Weiner, by the way, uh, in California, not Anthony Weiner, different one, they are absolutely after your kids and they don't believe you should have a say in your kid's life. We have been discussing here for well over a year, two years, that the parent comes first. It is very nice to see everybody coming around to what it is we've been talking about. 
The parent decides. Now you say to me, well, isn't it parents who decide to allow their children to take uh, these therapies and, and these hormones and these puberty blockers and get these surgeries? We've never been a society that allows parents to abuse kids. We're a society that says kids can't get tattoos, but they can't have their breasts removed. Sorry, that argument is not an argument. The idea that government wants to get in the way of the parental-child relationship is the belief in the state over the individual. And when I call them communists and Marxists and two sides of the same coin, they've proved my point. And it is up to parents to do what is necessary to protect their kids. When they scream at you, how dare you come to the school board meeting? Go to the school board meeting. How dare you run for school board? Run for school board. How dare you uh, not allow children to make a decision about their gender when they're six? Because you can't make a decision about your gender. But also, they're six, and we're going to protect kids because they need protecting more often than not from themselves. They scream, and they pass laws, and they try to break you. That's not a government of, by, and for the people. That's an activist radical government that doesn't believe in the nuclear family. You know who else doesn't believe in the nuclear family? Marxists. But the nuclear family has shown and proven to be a success throughout time. But if you can break the family, break religion, the state becomes the religion, the state becomes mom and dad, and that's how you get the control. So your choice, who gets control? You or those people? That's what I thought. I'm Tony Katz. All day and night you keep me up. So I remain committed in uh, reminding everybody that there's no bigger story in America than this potential bribery of President Joe Biden when he was vice president and this FD-1023 form the FBI had where they interviewed a very, very worthy confidential informant who they paid $200,000 to, I believe it was over a decade, who said that a Burisma official gave $5 million to Joe Biden, $5 million to Hunter Biden to change policy. And the only reason Hunter Biden was a part of Burisma was to get access to Joe Biden. And as Senator Chuck Grassley informed us just the other day, this executive at Burisma has 17 audio recordings, 15 with Hunter Biden and two with Joe Biden. What do they say? Well, we need to find out. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. It is the biggest story in America. I don't care if uh, MSNBC isn't covering it. They don't cover the biggest stories in America. We do. They will cover the Donald Trump arraignment, but they won't cover President Trump then going to a Cuban restaurant in Miami and getting cheered and prayed for. They sang happy birthday to the man. They won't cover, and CNN won't cover his speech in Bedminster, New Jersey, a fundraising speech, because he tells lies. He's the leading candidate for the nomination of the Republican Party. Whether I like him, don't like him, totally inconsequential, he's the leading candidate. What they can't handle is that he's popular. Now, I question whether or not he's popular to win the general and people want to get angry with me, that's fine. But you cannot deny his popularity. You cannot deny that people want to hear what he has to say. You cannot deny that he has a fan base that isn't going anywhere. So maybe MSNBC and CNN should accept the fact that he's a nominee regardless of any indictment. And maybe we should be questioning whether the indictment's legit. That's what a journalist would do. This is Tony Katz today. 
Instead, Secretary Mayorkas has chosen to expend department resources to provide care for aliens that enter the U.S. illegally. As detailed in my written testimony, I believe the Secretary is derelict in his duties to secure the border. And I also believe that the Secretary has likely violated the Impoundment Control Act. Secretary Mayorkas is great at, under, at invoking understandable compassion for the plight of the migrants. And I, too, acknowledge our humanitarian responsibilities. But as Secretary of the United States Department of Homeland Security and the overseer of billions of tax dollars that are appropriated to protect America, if you look at that, this administration is clearly not doing their job. That is the U.S. Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott stating in front of uh, the House Homeland Security Committee that Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, is not doing his job, that things are not happening the way that they should. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The humanitarian side of the border is a real side. The problem is we only pay attention to the humanitarian side of the border based on those coming across the border, not those who live on our side of it, the citizen, the people who are here legally. What about them? Why don't they matter? When you have people coming across the border as they did during COVID who had COVID and they were still allowed across the border, you ask people, they'll tell you what's what. Why wasn't this a humanitarian issue? When you have fentanyl coming across the border, why isn't this a humanitarian issue to American citizens? When you have Chinese nationals, grown men coming across the southern border and, by the way, the northern border, why isn't this a humanitarian issue when we know that China looks to disrupt American uh, activities, the American way of life? We know that they've got uh, their spy capabilities in Cuba. We know that they launched the balloon. Lord only knows what else. And, of course, there's the TikTok conversation. How is this not part of the humanitarian conversation? Why not? When we talk about the human trafficking of bringing people across the border, what about the cartels operating in the United States engaging in human trafficking, sex trafficking? How is this not a humanitarian issue? This is the argument that doesn't get made. And it desperately needs to get made because this argument is not partisan. This argument is us or them. It is either the radicals in the cartels, those who want to commit acts of violence and don't care what act of violence they commit. They don't care who dies as long as they get theirs. It's them or us. That is sometimes hard for people to comprehend. That there is, as uh, you, you would say in the Hebrew, the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Harad. There is good and there is evil. And there is them or there is us. Some people are like, well, we don't have, we can't think of it like that. We have to think about all people. No, 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 we don't. We don't have to consider the feelings or the well-being of people who want to kill American children, whether it be via fentanyl or other things. And you're saying they don't want to kill American children. They want to make money. They're making money and don't care if they kill American children. If you want to split the baby on that, you're more than welcome to. I have no interest. It's them or it's us. I don't know why this is difficult. I don't know why this is problematic as a conversation. Why have we not just said no? Because the rational mind realizes that the answer is no. 
We won't allow you to just come across the border. No, we won't allow the fentanyl to come across the border. No, we won't hold China harmless. No, we won't hold South American and Central American countries harmless. We can't. We can't. Now, you can argue, well, there are things we can do. I agree. And some of the things may be uh, different than just stopping people at the border. I also agree. For example, should we be looking at ways that we can further invest in Central America? I get your point. Oh, so the answer is money. Well, sometimes. If we take a look at Nicaragua, uh, this is a, a cigar story. For example, I hear from manufacturers that they are having a very, very difficult time keeping rollers, the people who roll cigars. Remember, I don't, I don't smoke machine-made cigars. There are very few premium cigars that are machine-made. I think J.C. Newman might still do some machine-made uh, cigars down there in Ybor City, Tampa Bay area. I smoke ha uh, handmade premium cigars. That's what I smoke. That's what I promote on Eat, Drink, Smoke, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. That is the industry that I support. I'm a huge, huge believer and supporter in the industry, not only happening in these nations like Nicaragua, like Honduras, like the Dominican, but of course the mom and pop shop, which is the near totality of cigar lounges across the country. The people who roll those cigars, those premium cigars, they're coming to the United States. They're not staying, and these are the good jobs. These are very good jobs, very stable jobs, and one could argue very safe jobs. These factories have a vested interest in making sure things are safe and secure and not a part of the political hellscape that happens in, let's say, Tegucigalpa uh, or, or, or uh, some of these other cities. They have a vested interest in keeping their people safe, in protecting them, and letting them thrive because that's their business. Their business relies on the skill of the person who's doing the rolling. But you come to the United States, they'll just let you in and look at all the free money. That's what they're competing against. So when we take a look at that as a migration conversation, because remember, these are, not, these are not asylum seekers. No matter what they say, they're taught to lie. They are taught to lie and claim asylum because that way you can engage this or that form or engage this process. You can get let into the country and not even have a court date. Remember, Biden wanted to do that. Before uh, the, the expiration of Title 42, he wanted to have parole. He wanted to have a system that said, oh, okay, you can come into the country and then we'll catch up with you later and we'll tell you when your court date is. But if you, uh, even if you were applying for asylum, that court date is three to five years out three to five years out to determine whether or not you could be in the country, that's a long time. And that's plenty of time to disappear, to be gone, to not respond. Spending a decade either sending money back or doing whatever with it. And who knows if it actually gets to the family or if it's, you know, intercepted by the cartels because they have their fingers in everything. They have their fingers in the police. They have their fingers in, in, in local economies. They have their fingers in U.S. economies, in cities. Of course they do. Of course they do. But if you invested in those places, in those countries... If you invested in those countries, maybe more people would stay in the country because the jobs would be in the country and the opportunity would be in the country, and then they could grow and build in the country. 
So there's an argument for doing exactly that, for building out the investment opportunities in the country. And as a as a concept of how we lessen the pressures and the issues at the border, it's not it, it it's not something you should dismiss. There's a conversation there. But I get exactly what you're saying. That might be, Tony. As a matter of fact, there might be 30 things that, that can be done. But you can't have the border as we have it. And on this, you and I are shoulder to shoulder. There, there's, there's no disagreement. You have to say no. The NGOs and non-governmental organizations that are teaching people to lie at the border, they need to be put an end to. People teaching others how to lie, that should be seen as a treasonous moment and it has to be ended. We can't allow it. And so when we take a look at at the, the election coming up, the conversation from the Republican Party should be, we think your kids matter. And when we talk about the humanitarian crisis at the border, it is the inhumane things that are happening to your kids that we need to fight for. And if we do that right, we can actually help the kids who are being dragged across the border or trafficked across the border. Remember, there are kids who are kidnapped, taken across the border, and people claim, oh, this is my kid. They're lying. They're just trying to get into the country. They get brought to the border and they get left to die. And that's the boys. The girls get raped and then get left to die. That's what's happening. That's it. We're going to pretend that it's not happening. It's the only thing that is happening. So when we we look at this this problem of ours, of course, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, isn't doing his job. Anybody who thinks he is, is lying in ways that simply it's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. We aren't doing the job because we have an administration that doesn't want to do the job. And we have an administration that sadly and shamefully doesn't rank these things. It must be hard to hear that people coming from other countries have to come in a subservient position to American citizens and those in the country legally in terms of how we engage and how we protect people and who we protect first and who we care for first. That's hard for people to to rationalize. They Oh my gosh, so hateful, so terrible. How dare you? What do you mean how dare I? I'm an American. I need to take care of American citizens first. And while I just said we can address multiplicities of ways to deal with the border, and it's not one or none, there are, there are multiple things we can be doing at the same time if you don't recognize that American lives and the people who are in the country legally come first. Well, then, I'm sorry, you're not serious about the border. We need people who are serious about the border. We need people to get serious, and that right soon. So this, this, this hearing that's happening... This hearing that's happening is kind of telling us the same things that we already knew over and over and over again. We know these things. We keep hearing it again and again and again. The question is, what are we going to do? 
No, wait, maybe that's not it. The question is, when is the doing? And when Benny Thompson, Democrat, asked questions like this. In my opening statement, border encounters have dropped sharply since the Biden administration terminated Title 42 last month. Republicans don't like the Biden administration is returning to a more orderly, humane border and immigration policy after the cruelty and dysfunction of the Trump administration. And they can't stand that these policies have been effective. So we are seeing this political theater play out uh, with the Republican leadership trying desperately to appease its members. My Republican colleagues seem to be particularly upset about the Biden administration allowing people to present themselves at port of entry to seek asylum as provided under the law, just as every other administration had prior to this one. Actually, there seems to be some revisionist history going on because even President Trump's Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, Mr. Wolf's former boss, acknowledged, in fact, encourage migrants to come to ports of entry for processing, saying, and I quote, so if a migrant comes to a port of entry, they haven't broken any laws. The argument is not whether the migrant coming to a port of entry has broken any laws. It is the claim of asylum that is the lie. And it is everything happening outside of that that stretches Border Patrol thin, where they don't have the resources, don't have the money, don't have the technology. I once uh, got into an argument. It wasn't an argument. It was just, a, I, I didn't believe her. Uh, Congresswoman Erin Houchin, who is, uh, represents the Indiana 9th District. She's like, they don't have the technology. I'm like, what are we talking about? We don't have the technology. How does the United States not have the technology? They don't have it, because they don't have the money for it. They don't have the money for it. So this, from Benny Thompson, is not accurate. And if they're claiming asylum and they're actually migrants, that would be lying. People who lie get to come into the country? Yeah. We need to rank these things and we need to hold a standard and we need to say no. And what we need to say no to is you can't lie and come into the country. And what we need to say yes to is American citizens, American children, and those in the country legally come first. Might be tough for some to swallow, but that's their problem. I'm Tony Katz. This list of last-minute Father's Day gifts. I mean, the Wall Street Journal says they're the best last-minute Father's Day gifts. I don't know. I don't know. Contemporary Leather Journal from Neiman Marcus for 50 bucks. It's a notebook. It's a, it's a notebook. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Don't get me wrong, it's pretty. It's. I'm just saying that if you get your dad a notebook for Father's Day, I mean, that's a very, very specific gift. That does not work for every dad. Not at all. That's a. That's a. That's an interesting one. Then, of course, uh, they've got something called Urban Stems, the Charleston. It's a. It's a plant. It's an actual plant i am not anti-plant i just want to be clear i am pro plant i am pro lettuce it goes great on a burger it's not a father's day gift is it is a plant a father's day gift i mean maybe in a very specific sense 
But that's not a last-minute gift where you're like, oh, oh, that's perfect, and I need to order it from a place called Urban Stems for $80. And by the way, it might be a beautiful plant. This is not me being against a group called Urban Stems. I'm not against the business. $80 for a plant that then gets shipped to you? If I go to the local supermarket, they got plants everywhere. You're there outside. There's, there, there are racks and racks and rows and rows of plants. You just pick up a plant. It's nine bucks. Okay, here you go, Dad. Happy Father's Day. I don't know. If he's going to be disappointed for $9, why spend 80 why spend $80 to disappoint dad when you can disappoint him for nine? Just one man's question. My advice, uh, get Let's Go Barbecue, my new barbecue book, Recipes, Tips, and Tales from the Pit, available at Amazon.com. Get the book now. Order it now. You'll have it for Father's Day. You can also get Let's Go Bourbon, which was my first book, The Bourbon Reader You've Always Needed. That is also at Amazon.com. And for people in central Indiana, uh, this Saturday, I think it's at 3 p.m. It might be earlier. We're going to be at Sullivan Hardware and Garden uh, on Keystone, and we're going to be signing books and selling books and uh, swag. And you want to get good Father's Day gifts, I got it for you. The T-shirts, the hats, the pullovers, the cigar picks, everything, and, of course, the books. You should join us. You should join us over there at Sullivan Hardware and Garden from at, at like 3 p.m. I think it's from 3 to 5. It might be a little bit earlier. Show up. It'll be a good time, Sullivan Hardware and Garden. That's where I will be. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com. Catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care. Take care.